It's a pleasure and a privilege to be back. And uh, I, of course, want to thank David Solomon for sponsoring this uh, event on a regular basis, which is always a wonderful thing, but for, more specifically for bringing me, because, uh, you know, uh, I have tremendous hakarasitov that whenever I come in, he says, you have a standing order. Whenever you want to come in, just let us know. We're always happy to have you. I don't get that reaction from my own family, so you understand it's, you know, it's such a wonderful thing, you know. So uh, uh, to be able to have the, the chance to have this opportunity to share insights, you know, and I have to keep trying to remember what I said because I, I don't want to repeat myself. Although, uh, you know, somebody said, I don't know who said it first. I've, I've heard it quoted several times. It says, you can repeat a joke once every two years. You can repeat a story once a year. And a Dvar Torah, even in the same speech, you could repeat. It wouldn't make a difference, you know. So I, I remember once when I was teaching, I said the same exact Gemara Shir, like exactly three days in a row. And they were wowed each time. I, I, I just stopped because I was getting bored, you know. So I said, you know, the Chazal that says that, you know, a Malach hits you and you forget your Torah, that's not supposed to be an ongoing process, you know. When that's what's happened only once when you're, when you're born, you know. So, uh, so I'm pretty sure I never spoke about this, yeah. And um, uh, it's, it's certainly a new insight, I think. And I'll tell you where it comes in, how, how, uh, how we come to it. I always try to find something that's shaykh to the parasha. Um, it's a, uh, I find that there are certain partios that are transitional partios. Chukas is a transitional partio, obviously, because it, uh, it goes from the end of the second year and it finishes at the beginning of the 40 years. So it's like Nurames to the 38 years, and it's a transition. Chayesur, you know. Avraham dies, Yishmael dies, Sarah dies, you know, Yitzchak gets married. You know, there's a, there's a transition that takes place. There's certain parashas like that. Vayishlach is also a transitional parasha. Vayetzei, Yaakov goes down, goes up to Lavan, and he has 11 Shvatim, and Klai Yisrael is born. It is a microcosm of the Mitzrayim experience and that's the reason that it, uh, you know, we say to Seder, you know, Bikesh Lavin Lakos Akol, so Yared Mitzrayma, right? Arami Ovid Ovi. You know, Lavin was even worse than Pyro, and that's why we could have had everything there. But they drew a lot of similarities between Yaakov's experience in uh, Lavin and what happened to us in Mitzrayim. And then he comes back to Israel, and. Next week's parasha picks up with Mechiris Yosef and going down to Mitzrayim, which basically takes us through the rest of Barashas. But Yishlach's a little transitional. And basically you find that in Vayeshev and in Miketz and the Vayigash, the main confrontation is between Yosef and Yehuda. Right? Vayigash, Yehuda. Right? Vayigash is he's coming to him. Rashi says it could be with uh, violent intentions and there's that you know, eventually they have to come together and that's why they end up in Eretz Goshen which is a lushen of coming back together by Yigash so uh, it comes down but the, but the 
the main uh, confrontation is between Yosef and Yehuda. Now, we always go by the Bechor. So it really should have been between Yosef and Reuven. So, this week's parasha, we learn that Reuven is disqualified from the leadership because of Maisebillah. And Shimon and Levi are disqualified from leadership because of what happened in Shechem. And so that leaves Yehuda as the default one next in line from the, you know, Bnei Leia to take over that leadership position. So you see that the disqualifications take place here. What is the disqualification of Reuven? The Bechor, Klaiso. Vahi Bishkoin Yisrael Be'eretz Hahi Vayelech Reuven Vayishkaf Ezbila Pilegesh Ovid Vayishma Yisrael Psik Vayibina Yaakov Shnei Masa Whatever this was did not disqualify Reuven. Now if Reuven had in fact slept with his father's wife Mistama, that would have served as a serious disqualification. <coughs> However, as the Gemara and Shabbos tells us, that Reuven did a chait in just like if it says by David, anyone who says he did a chait in and there's different reasons why they explain what David did was not usher. But however you want to look at it, whatever Reuven did here, it can't be Pashup Shat. Can't be Pashup Shat. So what did he do? So Rashi tells us. He messed up Yaakov's bed. Why did he do this? Yaakov took his bed, which had always been by Rachel. It was default his tent. Um, and he moved from Rachel's tent to Billah's tent. Ruvain stood up for the embarrassment to his mother. Bad enough that my mother had to play second fiddle to her sister. She had to pay second fiddle to, the, to her sister's shivcha? Now, what Ruvain did was wrong. And the mida that he was criticized on here, as we see in Pasha's Vayechi, is Pachas Kamayim. He was impetuous. If he would have thought it through carefully, he wouldn't have done this. And he regretted it, so that when it comes to Mechiris Yosef, you see it says that he spends all his time doing tshuva. Where's Reuven as the events are unfolding? He's out doing tshuva. The Ramban says that when he set, they set up the Machna, they put, it, they put Reuven in the south, because the south is the best exposure, and because of tshuva, all the bracha comes to the world. So he becomes Midas at tshuva, which means that if he had really thought this through, he wouldn't have done it. But what was Yaakov thinking? Why would you move your tent from Rachel into Billah? Why wouldn't you move it from Rachel to Leah? Question number one. It's really only one question, but uh, different, different places where you find it. Yosef has a dream. The sun and the moon and the eleven stars bow down to me. 
The sun is his father, the moon is his mother, the 11 stars are his brothers. They ask a famous Kasha, they say, ah, he also had a sister, Dina. So why, why isn't there something to represent Dina? So they say, because he married Osnas, who is Dina's daughter. And even in a dream, your Shrege isn't going to bow down to you. So don't worry about it. But he sees his father's son and Vayiga boy. Yaakov knocks it off. Hava Navai. Yeah. Me and your mother, your mother's dead. How could that be? When he sees the sun of the moon bowing down to him, he's seeing Yaakov and Billah bowing down. Amazing. And that, of course, uh, started me off on another question. And that is, the, uh, the minute is, definitely on Erev Yom Kippur. My father used to do it every Yom Kippur. Some people do it every Shabbos. They give their children a bracha. So to your sons, you say, Semech alakim kefraim v'kumenasha. Ayusimch alakim kefraim v'kumenasha. Right? I have eight daughters, so the other one comes more natural to me. Yeah? And that's an easy one, because that's the bracha that Yaakov gives, and that's written in the Torah. And to our daughters we say, So what's the difference? Why don't we say to the boys, Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov? Okay, because it's written in the Frame of Menashe. But what's the reason for it? So the Mepharshim gives them different reasons. One is Ephraim and Menashe were the first Jewish children to be born and grow up in Golis. And we give our children a bracha that they should have the strength to be able to stand up in Makomos of Nisayan. Yitzchak grew up in Eretzrael. Yaakov lived most of his life in Eretzrael. Ephraim and Menashe never saw Eretzrael. They were born in Mitzrayim. They died in Mitzrayim. They lived in Mitzrayim. They were the first Jews to have to live in Golis. We want to give our children a bracha. Masha came. Sorry, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah all came from Golis. They were all, they were all living in Golis. They were all living with, with difficult family situations. Yeah, Their father, their, 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 their brother. Yeah, Difficult situations. So, okay. There's another reason. And that is that Ephraim and Menashe were the first two brothers where the older one got passed over and didn't the younger and, and uh, to give it to the younger one and the older one didn't want to kill him. So Yishmael is shooting arrows at Yitzchak. Esav comes with an army to kill Yaakov. Uh, the uh, older Shvatim want to kill Yosef. Ephraim and Menashe he says, if Ryan's going to be greater than Menashe, Menashe's like, hey, bro, good for you. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Love you, brother. You know? He's like, wow, that's the brach we give our children. Halavai, they should all be able to get along together. Right? Isn't that, isn't that a brach that every parent wants, that they should be able to see their children get along together? You know? Just, just not fight. You know? Someone told me, uh, it was my mother-in-law, just the other day. My mother-in-law said to me, you know, 
she says, you know, we'd be driving someplace and the kids would be fighting, not my wife, but the other two would be fighting, you know. And she'd say, you know, did you try to get along? Are you trying to get along? You know, there must be a way you could get along if you wanted to, you know. That's a value. And the fact that that's the bracha we give our children. But we give our children a bracha, our daughters a bracha, we left out Bill and Zilpah. The mothers of a third of Klal Yisrael are left out. We should have said, I found one place where they make reference, a chazal makes reference to the six imahos. But the default is, yeah, and Bill and Zilpa don't even get a mention. And that intrigued me. After I saw all of this, it really started to intrigue me. And I looked around, not exhaustively. I don't have a computer. Yeah. When you have a computer, then you can you know, look up all kinds of things. You know. So I, I went through many svarim. I didn't find any mention of Bill and Zilpa. You know? Not that the computer will always help you, but at least it'll point you in a direction. We all know the, the yard site of Rachel Menu. Yeah, everyone knows the famous yard site of Rachel Menu. So they were looking for a chazal, they couldn't find it. They looked around everywhere for Rachel's yard site, couldn't find it. They went to Chaim Kanievsky. He says, What do you mean? It's a medrash. He says, What do you mean a medrash? We checked, there's no medrash. I was a medrash, and he shows the day that Benjamin was born. He says, You look for the wrong thing. Because obviously she died when Benjamin was born. So that's how you know what her yard site was. You know, you look in the wrong place. You know? Somebody asked him once, says, how many times does it say uh, Moshe? The Torah. So, gives him the number. He says, no, you're off by two. So he says, ah, Kinnere Yeshcha computer. You know? He says, one of that uh, Moshe is Miseh, the other one is Masheh, Yodav. Yeah. So, you, you didn't know how to filter right. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, you know, when you, when you know what you're looking for. But, uh, but I, I didn't have a, have a computer. I only had Svarim. I looked as best as I could. I could not find anyone talk about Billa and Zilpa. Billa and Zilpa are mysteries. They don't get a well. They don't get sheep. Everybody gets a well and a sheep. They don't get wells. They don't get sheep. They don't get nothing. And I gave this once. I asked this kasha before I had... Any, even a, a, a hint of a mahalach. And someone went on. His mom was racking me out in public, you know? Says, oh, you purposely mislead people. You make it sound like you're, uh, you're this. And, you know, you leave out, you know, push it. Out. I, uh, the fact that he's making fun of me, I didn't really care. I, I, I get made fun of by professionals, you know what I mean? And that's before the internet starts up on me, you know? I, mean? so I said, okay, you know, attack me, you know? And just tell me the answer, you know? Says, Rashi says they were their half-sisters. I said, that's it. That was, the, that was the gem you were holding back in reserve? I know that Rashi too. What does that tell me about who Bill and Zilpah are? I want to know who they are. I want to know what their midos are. A third of Klai Yisrael had to have gotten their midos. You find that Leah names her children based on her own personal experiences with her relationship with Yaakov. So does Rachel. Yosef. You know? Ben Oini, because of the pain that I had... You see the names go into the experiences. You tell me that Bill and Zilpah, there was nothing, nothing that was 
a, a part of Dylan Zilber that went into these kids? A third of Goliath Israel? Don't even get a mention? So they are they are here for it. Okay. So in uh, favorite rabbinic tradition, when uh, you uh, have a question, the best thing is to bring in a whole bunch of other questions. And at the end, people don't remember the original question. So you don't have a problem. Yeah. So, so there's another question that always bothered me. Um, I, I don't know how it works in America. I don't know if, if kids, if boys have, uh, have performances. You know, girls have performances. You know, I know this because this is a major political thing. Who gets the lead in the play, you know, and, you know, and, the, and the presentation. When I was a little kid, you know, when I was in day school, we used to have presentations. And uh, it was very easy because both during the Hanukkah play and the Purim play, I was a guard uh, we had a football helmet and we put aluminum foil on it and we cut out of cardboard a sword we covered with aluminum foil and I had the same uh, line in both plays Hine Melech. they didn't trust me with any more than that and that was my role I was a guard throughout anyway so uh, but who's going to get the leading pole this is very important you know it's going to have to get this play, you know, in camp or, or you know, in, in a high school to have a performance, a major thing. How do you know who the starring role is? Uh, interestingly enough, the star of the show is not necessarily considered the starring role. The starring role is, and I have seen kids do this, they take the script and they literally count how many words each character has. And whoever has the most uh, words to say is obviously the starring role. Yeah? So uh, uh, they want to make sure they get that starring role. If not, they'll settle for the star of the play. But, but they really want the one where they get to talk the most. Right? That's the, that's the most question. Parish is Chayisar. Who's the star of Chayisar? It was so interesting. Someone said to me, Sar. I'm going to say for sure not, because she gets no words, because she's dead. You understand? It opens with, and Zara is dead. So, you know, you understand, if you get a part in the play and you're playing someone who's dead, you're probably not the star. Yeah? So, if you count the words, which is my method, obviously the star is Eliezer. Avram calls in Eliezer, he gives him all these instructions, and then Eliezer goes on his way, and then he makes a whole speech to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and then he goes to meet with, uh, with Basuel and with Lavan, and he makes his whole speech, and he tells him over everything that, that Avram told him and what he said and what happened, and now the whole story. He has more words than anybody else. Isn't it interesting that his name does not appear any place in Chaisar? He is only referred to as the Evid, and the Evid this, and the Evid that, and the Evid, and the Evid, and the Evid, and the Evid. And no point does his name appear. It's in Leich Lecha, Eliezer the Mesek, which the Chazal learned, he, he drew up and warded the world with the words of Torah that he got from his Rebbe. Yeah. 
Eliezer and there's Midrashim about Eliezer and all the smart things he did and the great things he did and how he went down to Stone and he outwitted everybody and all the stuff that he does. According to one view in the Chazal, he becomes the Malach Matatran. I mean, you know, he's, uh, he's somebody very important, you know? And, and here is his starring role. And his name's not even mentioned. Question number two. And here's question number three. Yeah. So Yeshav Ramel Yodaloi. This is back in Lechlacha. Veloshiv Kamitzvus Ushma Hagar. She has a slave. Her name is Hagar. Vetaymes Sari Avram. Hina Tzarani Hashemi Ledes. Bona Shivchasi Ulai Bonami Menu. Here, take my Shivcha. Maybe you'll have children from her. And he takes her. And Hagar becomes pregnant, and when she becomes pregnant, she her mistress becomes light in her eyes. I'm angry at you. I give you my slave. She becomes pregnant. And now she doesn't treat me nicely. God should judge between us. Here's your slave. Take it back. Do whatever you think is right. And Sarai oppresses her and she flees from before her. You have to admit, Mama Sarah doesn't come out looking very good in this story. That's why Mama Sarah never got a song. Right? Mama Rachel, on her wedding day, gives up the Simanim, you know, and she gets Mama's a song. It's a whole song. That's the, that's the big hit, you know, but also based on the Pasek, you know, right? Rachel gets another, she gets another couple of songs. <laughs> and she gets no song. And you have to admit that if you read the story, it doesn't sound very good. She takes it. Abraham, she says, I can't have any children. Marry my slave. You have to admit, you know, if I was her husband, you know, and she says, say, hey, I got somebody for you, marry my slave. You know, says, you know, I, I don't have any children. Why don't you marry the cleaning girl? You know. Now that brought down the governor of California, but, you know, but in general, most people would look askance at that, you know. So, uh, you know, okay. And then she becomes pregnant, and then so is angry that she becomes pregnant. And she says to Abraham, look what you did. So, okay, this is his wife now. Isha. He married her. Now, those of you who have two wives, you know that it's awkward, you know. <laughs> you thought that it was going to work out nicely, you know. This way they have somebody to keep each other company, and there's two people to split the housework, you know. And, you know, and in some quarters, you know, if you're in learning, you know, they, they marry two wives because they see that the family can't get by on one salary. So, uh, anyway, it's an old joke. Anyway, but... Uh, so you say, you say, listen, Sarah, the two of you have to learn to get along. You're both my wives. No, don't put me in a position to have to choose, you know. I mean, you guys should go out shopping, you know what I mean? You know, you know. So instead he says, well, she's your slave. Do whatever you want. 
And Sarah oppresses her. This poor pregnant woman runs away from her husband and her man. doesn't know what to do. So the whole story doesn't come out sounding very good. And therefore, whenever you see a story that doesn't sound very good, it means that we don't understand pshat. People, people make a big mistake, you know. They know. There's pshat, remez, drash, and sight. And people think pshat is whatever's written there. It's not true. That's not called pshat. You know, if you read the story of Yosef, you know, and it sounds like, you know, his brothers were jealous of him because his father got him a pretty coat and they decided to kill him. Come on. That's not your average family. That's, that's the Sopranos, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm jealous because my brother got a coat so I decided to kill him. Come on. You rough him up a little bit maybe. You know, maybe spill something on it. You know, but you're you're going to kill him because you're upset about the coat? It's a bizarre concept. That means it can't be push-up shot. I'm not even talking about, you know, I'm not talking about drash, sorry, I'm talking about push-up shot doesn't make any sense. So too over here. You know, it doesn't make sense that Sarah, you know, one of the imahos, this is the story how it has to play out. So there's a beautiful sefer that I know I've quoted more than once, Leket Tzichos Musa, which is a collection of the shmuzen of Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac Sher, who was Rosh Slobotka. And um, I can tell you that I have been personally moved by almost every shmuz that he has in that sefer. And if you want to buy either a sefer on Musa or a sefer on the parasha that you want to use, yeah, I highly recommend it. <clears throat> I used to speak once a year out in a front. And I met somebody 20 years afterward, 15 years afterward. He said, you know, I enjoyed the things you said, but I didn't come to thank you for that. I, th- I came to thank you for encouraging me to buy Rabbi Yisrael share. You're right. Every single of those shmuzen touched my life. So I want to tell you what he says, and I want to try to use that to answer up all of our kashas. Let's put this into context. Aram and Sarah come to Israel. Ten years go by, they don't have any children. <coughs> The din doesn't kick in until you come to Eretzah. Because Kozman, the Jen you could say, I wasn't Zaycha to have a child because of the fact that I'm over being in Chutzlaretz. I should be in Eretzah. That's Halacha Lemaisa. If you live in Chutzlaretz, then the 10 year rule doesn't apply. Um, I moved to Eretzah 28 years ago. At the time, I was living in a community. I don't want to mention where. So I don't want to cast any aspersions. But a few weeks before I left, the Neshe asked me to come and speak. And uh, somehow I was mentioning I'm moving to Eretz I was speaking about Eretz and I said the following. I said, Rav Moshe Feinstein says that living in Eretz Manazeh is a mitzvah's assay that's mekuyim. Right? There's a mitzvah's assay that you have to do, like putting on tefillin. Yeah, eating matzah. And there are mitzvah assays that you only do if you find yourself in that position. Right? Um, you get a mitzvah when you divorce your wife. But you don't really have to do it just to get the mitzvah. Even though I appreciate the sentiment that goes into it. Yeah? So, uh, so you know. 
somebody said to me, you know, oh, if you have more mitzvahs, it shows that you're more chashev. I said, really? So if you speak Lashon Hara and you get saras, there's a whole bunch of mitzvahs that you get to do. You get to go outside of the machna, wear a veil in front of your face, walk around, say, tame, tame. But I don't know that that necessarily puts you on a higher madriga than someone who didn't speak Lashon Hara, you know? You know? If you steal something, you get a mitzvah. Uh, you know, return, return what you stole, you know? So... It's a pity if you don't steal anything, you'll never get that mitzvah. You know? So, uh, so I don't know that that's really what's coming from. But uh, so I said, it's a mitzvah. Says mekuyim. What does that mean? You don't have to do it, but if you do it, you get a mitzvah sase. What's the classic example of that? Tzitzis. You don't have to wear tzitzis. If you wear a beged with dog confice and you put tzitzis on it, you get a mitzvah. That's why when you have women who, you know, in certain circles, they want to put on a talus. Yeah? So the Gemara says it's Yahira. It's gaiva. Why is it gaiva? Because, okay, you sit in the sukkah, you get a, you get a mitzvah. You're not mechul, you get a mitzvah. You know? You, 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 you know, you wave the lulav. You don't have to get a mitzvah, you know? But here, even if you put on the dal kanfais, you don't get a mitzvah. It's only if you put it on and then you put on the tzitzis and then you get it. It's like a couple of steps down. So you have to say, well, I'm so choshev that I'm going to do this. Rekelema should have a full shlema. He is the brother of the youngest of West Hampstead. He got hit by a, by a pickup truck crossing the street coming back from Meyer. And um, uh, he's in the hospital. It's a shem should have a full shlema. Um, Yehuda Ben Rivka Leah, and um, he was originally a rav in Boston. And a woman came to him and said that she wants to wear a talus. So he says, "What are you asking me for? Salavetchik's in town. Go and ask him." Big Rosh Hashiva. So Salavetchik said, "That's not how things work in Judaism. You don't just jump. You have to go in levels. You know, you climb up." First, wear the talus without the tzitzis and see if you feel anything. And if so, wear it on the tzitzis. So, she comes to shul. She's got the talus over her head. She's davening, you know. So, oh, without any tzitzis. You know, she's davening. Comes at the end of the month, he says, no. He says, oh, changed my whole davening. It was so inspiring. It was so wonderful. He says, really? Because what you did was of no religious significance at all. Except that if you were a man, you'd have an Avera for wearing a Dalakantos without tzitzis. He says, the fact that you felt anything is what we call spiritual paganism, was the way he put it. You know, I feel something. A person feels something. The fact that you feel something is, you know, it's no indication. I tell the story because my brother Gedalia is sitting here, but I tell the story even if he's not here because it's one of my favorite stories. You know, one year, he sent out his Shalach Manus and he put in a, a scratch-off lottery. And people scratched him off. And one guy scratches him off and wins a million dollars. And the guy was flying. He was so happy. And, then, you know, and he calls him up. And, then, and he says, no, 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 those are joke ones. They're, they're not real. I put it in because it's perm. You know? they, they all say a million dollars. They don't mean anything. Not everybody appreciated it, surprisingly. <laughs> But, you know, the guy gets the thing and he says, I want a million dollars. You think you want a million dollars. You're so thrilled you want a million dollars. It never happened. You know? 
So when a person says to me, a, a, a young lady who had a bat mitzvah in a reform synagogue, and she says, you can't tell me when I lane from the Torah that I didn't feel something special. I said, no, and I can't tell you when a Christian lets Yashka into his heart, he doesn't feel something special. Maybe he does. But that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it doesn't matter go by what you feel. It goes by what's real, not by, 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 by feelings, you know? So I mentioned, I said, living in our cells, the mitzvah says, you don't have to do it, but if you do it, you get a mitzvah. The next two weeks in the community were very unpleasant for me. Because people would stop me on the street, <laughs> some of them more hostile than others, you know. And they're like, hey, you told my wife we've got to move to our show. <laughs> I said, I didn't say that. I said, it's a mitzvah says, And what I said was that it could be you have a good reason not to do it. But ask a shayla. You know, I said, if your kid comes in and he's not wearing tzitzis, you say, why aren't you wearing tzitzis? And he says, ah, it's a mitzvah mekuyim. I found out put it on a mitzvah conference. I don't have it. He'd say, you should look up on your tzitzis. Oh, you're talking about working on tzitzis. I said, so if you're not going, I'm sure you have a good reason, but you should ask a rough and find out. It's a lot of questions. People were very angry at me for raising this. So I'm not saying it tonight. But uh, what, what, the only point that I am making is that if you don't have any children and you're not living in a house, and you could say that, I don't want to say the Avera, but you know, from not living in a cell, quote whatever you will, the poor decision, <laughs> you can tailor that to the fact that you're not having any children once you come to a cell. So Bismana is there, you can be tailored to other Averas. But Avram and Sarah, they had nothing else. So after 10 years, they had no children. So what does Sarah do? Sarah is given the unenviable task of having to pick a wife for her husband. I know three stories like this. Women who were dying, they knew they didn't have much time left, and they told their husband who to marry afterwards. And they told the children, I want Tati to marry this person. And uh, I know one person, you know, uh, who followed his wife's advice, and I said, how are the children handling it? You know, he says, well, they're not happy, but they can't say anything because their mother told them that I'm supposed to marry her. So, but you can imagine having to pick out a wife for your husband and you're still alive. Yeah. So, who is Sarah going to pick out for Avram to marry? Obviously, the person who is most like Sarah. And that was Hagar. Hagar was a princess in Egypt. Now, the kings in Egypt were like gods. You know? Um, there were some kings where they consider their by divine right, but in some societies the king himself is actually a deity. Yeah? Um, we'll see what happens with the new administration but in America. But, but in some places, Imamish get on a god status. You know? So you can imagine she's the, she's the daughter of the god. You know, she could be a goddess. You know. She gives it up to become a slave to Sarah. Because she wants to mevato herself and become Sarah. And for ten years she is serving Sarah, following them around. Maybe just a word on this. You find from time to time in the Gemara a very strange lotion. Someone asks a question, he says, I'll answer you if you carry my towel to the bathhouse. 
Carrying the towel to the bathhouse is a sign of avdus. It's one of the things you can't ask an Evid Ivri to do. Because everyone will know that you're treating him like a slave. He says, you want me to answer your kasha? Carry my towel to the bathhouse. Why? Because he sensed that the person was not going to, you know, be macabre what he has to say. Because you, you don't see me as, uh, as somebody who's chashu enough to answer your question. You know? Somebody was calling me. He really needs to meet with me. needs to meet with me. I meet this kid. He's 16 years old. He dropped out of school two years ago. He's an atheist. Um, and he's studying online in the University of Manchester, Egyptology, to see whether or not Yusuf Mitzrayim is correct. <coughs> so I started to discuss certain basic points with him, and he would just, with the back of his hands, knock it off, knock it off, you know? And, uh, and, uh, so finally I said to him, I said, okay, I see now. Now I understand. I said, because he mentioned another rabbi who he went to and he asked questions to and they had no answer, you know. I said, okay, so I see what you're doing already, you know. I've, I've met people like this in my life. You know, they say, nothing you can say is going to convince me there's a God. Go ahead. And I said, no, 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 you convinced me. You're completely closed-minded. You're not going to listen to anything I say. Whatever I tell you, you're going to go, no, 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 no. And then you're going to say, see, I'm not convinced. I said, you're totally intellectually dishonest. It doesn't matter what I say. I said, the points that I'm making to you, I've made to university professors. They've acknowledged some of my points. Whatever I say to you, you go, no, 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 no. And when I try to push you, you go, well, that's how I feel. I said, you're an anti-intellectual. You think you're so much smarter than everybody else. And you want to be able to tell everybody afterwards. You see, I spoke to Rabbi Olofsky, and he couldn't answer my questions either. Now, that wasn't exactly the truth. The truth was that his father said, if you want to keep up this Meshigas, you have to go speak to Rabbi Olavsky. <laughs> so he had to check off that I went to see Rabbi Olavsky, but of course, I'm smarter than him because I'm 16 years old and I know everything already because I'm studying Egyptology, and so therefore, I'm smarter than everybody else, you know. And uh, any point I made to him, you know, just dismiss it. Anyway, um, so there's certain people, you know, that unless they're prepared to acknowledge a sense of obdus, they're not going to understand what you're saying. I'm going to understand what you're saying. You know? And that's why sometimes you try to give somebody an answer and they're like, nah, nah, nah. Because they're not willing to recognize. I, I've had people sometimes who've asked me such unbelievable questions. They were pretty simple. Sometimes they were Rashi, you know? And I answer it. And they're like, no, 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 that can't be. And I was like, why not? No, no, it's not. It's not uh, and it came out, the reason was that this question was such a great question, how could it be that it has an easy answer? <laughs> I'm so invested in the question. If I'm too invested in the question, then I don't want to hear the answer. You know? I, don't, I don't, can't imagine who this person was, but there was somebody who went to Cheder with the Gura, you know? And he said to um, the Dubna Magid, because he knew that he was the Gura's buddy, you know? He says, what's the big deal about the Vilna Gain? I went to Cheder with him. I'm as smart as he is, you know? He says, okay, so I'll give you an example. The Gemara in Shabbos says like this. And the Gemara in Erevin says like that. So how do you answer the steer? He goes, ah, push it. The guy puts together on the spot a whole brilliant pilpul. So he says, so what do you say? I said, very impressive. And what would the Gura say? 
he would tell you there's no such a Gemara in Erevin. You know what I'm saying? So made it up. But you know, you're, so, you're going to prove. You know, you know so much. Yeah. So Hagu did not want to come along as part of the retinue. She didn't want to be part of like a visiting princess. I'm going to make myself your shivcha. I'm going to mashbill myself and be macabre from you everything that you say. And after 10 years, there's no question that the second most spiritually developed woman in the world was Bilam. Excuse me, was, uh, was Hugga. So if I'm going to find a wife, my husband, this is the best. And, and I know that I'll be able to work with her and she'll continue to grow. So she becomes pregnant and her, her Rebbe became light in her eyes. Right? The Mephoshim said because she became pregnant from Bia Rishona. Not only did she become pregnant from Bia Rishona. <coughs> so she didn't say, hey, Sarah. She says, i got to tell you the truth. Even I didn't realize how much I accomplished in 10 years. I mean, that I, I was like to marry Avraham. And Sarah, she could never get pregnant. And I got pregnant, and not just pregnant, but from Bia Rishona. I guess, I guess I really have to reevaluate myself. Uh, I just I didn't realize how chashev I actually am. So she comes in the next day. Those of us who have been in education can usually spot the look, you know. Where there's a, you know, I'm sure I had her eyes down, you know, but there's a little smugness there, maybe, you know. She tell her things to be a little smirk, you know. So she goes to Avram and says, "Congratulations, you just destroyed the second most developed, spiritually developed person in the world." Because all of her koyach comes from the fact that she's being macabre for me. And now you messed her up. So Avram says, listen, I haven't been working with her. Avram worked with the men. Sarah worked with the women. I'm not involved over here. You're her rabbi. You do what you think is right. And she oppresses her. Says Yitzchak, how do you oppress a person like this? You make her do the sponger. That's that's what it never does. You yelled at her. You hit her. The Rambam Paskins, that if a Rebbe you know, hits a kid and kills him, he's not chayiv, because that's part of education. It used to be a lot more fun to be a teacher than it is today. Anyway, I, I have no mahalach in the Gemara where they had this cheder rebbe, you know, he had this, this rebbe who would teach the children. He was a great rebbe. It's just uh, occasionally he would kill the children. Like literally kill the children. <laughs> so they finally got rid of him. They couldn't find anybody as good as him, so they put him back in the job. I know which school he's working in now, actually. <laughs> but anyway, but uh, actually he's got a lot of, uh, of Talmudim out there too. But, uh, but I, I don't understand. But anyway, so he yelled at it, hit it. How do you oppress a woman like this? He says, I'll tell you how you oppress her. She comes in the next day. And she says, so, sir, what are we going to do today? He says, me? Oh, I have nothing to teach you. You're much more chasher than I am. Why don't you teach me something? I'm, I'm going to sit down. And you, you be the rabbi. Teach me something, because you're obviously much greater than I am. Ooh. There's nothing more painful than the Rebbe gets your message. You know, the Rebbe sees right through you, you know? And, and, and she ran away. She was so embarrassed, she ran away. And what does the Malach tell her? 
The Malach tells her, yeah, uh, go back to Sarah. She's your Rebbe. Listen to what she says. And she comes back and she really tries. And she has a son, Yishmael. Yeah? And what do we know about this Yishmael? Okay. Literally, it means making fun. Rashi says, Yeah, he took Yitzchak out into the field and started shooting arrows at him. And so she says to Avram, Chase away this slave and her son. Kill Yirash ben Amah Zaisen ben Yitzchak. Because he will not inherit with my son Yitzchak. What an inappropriate thing to say. Send away Yishmael because he's not going to inherit with my child. No, send away Yishmael because he's shooting arrows at Yitzchak. Because he's trying to kill my son. I would have said even better than that. Send him away because he's all made of Anazara. and kill Arias. No, because he's not going to inherit with my son. <laughs> That's relatively mild. I want to say a chiddush. Like all my chiddushim, you don't have to accept anything that I say. I always give that as a thing. You know, sometimes I give a whole shir, I say a whole chiddush. People come up to me afterwards, they go, "I really liked your kasha." <laughs> That's good enough. I'm happy with that. Yeah, I don't believe that took place. I don't believe Yishmael went out and was shooting arrows at Yitzchak because I think that Sarah and Avram's reaction would have been much more dramatic. The Chazal say whenever it says chetz, it means lashon. It means the tongue. Yeah? In Vayechi, Yaakov says, I give you Shechem that I took with my sword and with my bow which Rashi says is my chokhmah and my tefillah. Right? Chokhmah is sharp like a sword, and that's why it says, when they fight, they're like two pieces of metal that sharpen each other. And the tefillah is like a bow and arrow. Why? Because the more you pull it back, the further it goes. So the more kavana you have inside, the further your tefillah goes. So that's the bow. The bow and arrow is tefillah. What's Yishmael? Hashem will hear his tefillah. That's why he's such an insidious enemy. When we fight Esav, so Kol Kol Yaakov, Yedayi Esav, we're coming with two different things. But when we fight Yishmael, we're fighting someone who has the same Kolach that we do. He was shooting arrows at him. What was he shooting? Rashi says, I'm the older one and I'm going to inherit twice. What does he say later on? I had my bris meal when I was 13. You had yours when you were a little kid. Big deal. You didn't suffer like I did. So Yitzchak says, I would give my whole body up. That's why we had to have the Akedah. So there was a, there was a, a direct reference to what he said. What does Yishmael say? I'm greater than you. So Sarah said, like mother, like son. So, uh, Haga thought she's greater than me. Yishmael thinks he's greater than Yitzchak. Go back home. 
go to Egypt, be a princess, be a goddess. This is not for you. Yeah? You, you want to be, you want to be the, the uh, big cheese, you want to be in charge, no problem, go to, go to Egypt. You made a mistake. Because here, what you need to do in order to achieve greatness, you don't want to do, and neither does your son. So go off and make your own people, make your own thing, do your own thing. And Hagar worked on herself so that when after Sarah died, he marries her again. Now she's called Keturah. And at the end, even Yishmael does Tshuva. How do you know it is Tshuva, says Rashi? Because when they go to bury Abraham, it says Yitzchak v'Yishmael. He says, Yitzchak, you go first. When Yitzchak dies, it says Esav and Yaakov. Esav was not prepared to play second fiddle to Yaakov. And Yishmael was ready to be machni himself. But to achieve that sense of his batlus is very, very difficult. <coughs> Eliezer was Ebed Avram. And when he tells over the story, he says the following. I said to uh, Avram, Ulai, maybe they won't want to marry her. Maybe they won't want to come to Eretzel. Says Rashi, because I was hoping he'd marry my own son, my own daughter. And Avram said, that's never going to happen. You're Arur, and I'm Baruch, and there will never be a Shidduch. I know you spent your whole life being my Evet. I know you carried out my will to the point that I'm trusting you to find a Kala for the first Jewish child. And that's how much I trust you. I'm not going myself. I trust you as much as if I was going myself. You know, I asked somebody, I said, this, the only thing that Abraham is left to do at this point is to marry off Yitzchak. Why does he send Eliezer? Why doesn't he go himself? Someone said to me, he was too old. I said, really? He gets married and has another six kids. So he's not that old. Yeah? So what does that mean? Because he knew that Eliezer would do exactly what he would do. That Eliezer was willing to be Machnia himself and become Ebed Avram. The fact that his name is not mentioned is the biggest covet you could give to Eliezer. Because Eliezer is not now Eliezer. Like Yishmael wanted to be Yishmael and, and, and Hagar wanted to be Hagar. I'm only Ebed Avram. That's who I am. That is my, the greatest tribute you can give me. You know why we don't know anything about Bill and Zilpa? Because if we did they would never be Zoycha to have been Imahos and Klaiso. When Bill and Zilpa had the children, they were considered Rachel and Leah's children, and they're the ones who named them. And they were based on the fact that it has to do completely with us. Don and Naftali, Hashem judged me, not, not, not uh, Zilpa, judged me. You know, I, 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 excuse me, Billa. Uh, 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 judge, judge me, not Billa. They became Rachel and Leah. To say, Kim, Rivka, Rachel and Zilpa would be the same thing as saying, Sar, Rivka, Rachel and Leah, Rachel and Leah. Billa and Zilpa, Mamish became Rachel and Leah. What Hugger never achieved 
What Eliezer struggled to achieve, Bila and Zilpa did naturally. That's where they were zoichet to be the imahos because they were merely an extension of Rachel Leah. Avram gets two brachas. Your children will be like the dust of the earth. Your children will be like the stars of the sky. What's the difference? Any individual dust moat, any grain of sand, really has no identity. It would be a little silly for you to name them. So I pick up a handful of dirt and I say, here's Bob, here's Harry, here's Sally. Oh, girl. Here's this, you know, that. They're grains of sand. Their only koach comes from being completely mavatal themselves to each other. Masha Enkain, when you look up in the sky and there are billions and billions of stars, but each one shines individually. Elu Shmos B'nai Yisrael, says Rashi, just like the stars all have names, B'nai Yisrael all have names. There is a koach to being able to shine as an individual. But there's also a koyach to be mavatal yourself to the cloud. This tension of individuality and al-tifresh minatzibur is something that every Jew has to... I used to do questions and answers for non from people, you know. And there was a point when I would teach you know, people going out into the field, how to answer questions. So one of the questions was, how come all of these from Jews dress exactly the same? So Rabbanim said, what? It's not true. This one's got a stripe in his black suit. This one's a dark gray. I said, you really think that makes you different, right? You know, you think everyone's looking at that and saying, oh, I didn't realize. It's like, you know. I live in Israel. The only time that you get to see people really express their individuality is when it rains and everyone gets to put a different colored bag from the makolet on their hat. You know what I mean? So then you really see a flash of color, you know, and everyone's like really expressing their innermost feelings, you know. But for the most part, everybody's dressed in black and white, so it's a little off black. (laughs) It's ridiculous, you know. So, So I said, I have to tell you the truth. I, I had learned in Yeshiva Chavetz Chaim. Rav Hanach Leibowitz, his father had learned in Slobotka. He says, if you look at the pictures of Slobotka, and you look at the pictures of the mirror, nobody dressed in black and white. Dorsh Yeshiva. But nobody did. Yeah. Everybody had colored shirts and colored ties and colored suits and colored hats. And nobody wore black and white. And Chavetz Chaim was very careful about this. Yeah. You know, if you, if you came and dressed in black and white, they encouraged you to, you know, Get a colored hat with a feather in it. You know what I'm saying? You know? So uh, that's how, how the Rashiva looked at it. He was preserving the tradition of Slobodka. <coughs> they eased up when they realized that nobody could get Shiduchim. You know, because some guy shows up, you know, with a you know, brown suit and a brown hat with a, with a, with a feather, and, you know, they don't care how many excites you know. You, know? <laughs> you, you don't look the part, you know. But um, so when I came to Israel, I was dressed Yeshivish, you know. Brown slacks and a tan jacket and a blue shirt, nice blue gray uh, beige tie that brought it all together. You know, had my white straw hat because it was the summertime, and I couldn't get a chavrusa in Kolel. They thought I was a tourist, and um, and so I got the lay of the land there so, and I slowly started changing my clothes. You know, until I, you know, became black and white. 
And uh, some people in America said, you know, they got you. You're becoming one of them. I said, why? What's bothering you? It shouldn't matter what you wear. I said, then why does it bother you that I'm dressed this way? I said, I practice what you preach. I really don't think it matters what I wear. You know? He says, but you're giving up your individuality. I said, no one has said to me, since I started dressing like everybody else, that you're not an individual. <laughs> There's no question that I stand out in a crowd wherever I go, and it doesn't make a difference what I'm wearing. You think you need clothes to develop a personality? So if somebody else wears your outfit, they become you? You understand? Is that ridiculous? You need clothes to be somebody? Then don't worry, because you have no personality to start with. It's not a problem. There is a, there is a, 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 a value to being part of the Tzibor, and in every society, everybody dresses the same. If you go to a preppy college, everybody dresses preppy, you know. And if you, you know, if you go someplace where everybody dresses in grunge, they all dress in grunge. And everybody dresses more or less the same, you know. So I was in a, speaking in a school once. They had an Archie comic up on the wall, where you see everybody walking with these like long black leather jackets, which I guess are the fad, you know. So the principal says, "Why are you wearing that jacket?" He goes. To be an individual, he says, needs work. <laughs> you know, you're only wearing it because everybody else is wearing it. You know, it's not, it's not because I'm establishing individuality. You know, but there's a tension. There's a tension that exists within a person of I have to shine like a star, but I have to learn also how to be mavatal myself. This is especially true when it comes to learning Torah, which means that a person has to ask themselves. How much is it important to be me? And how much is it important for me to become the spiritual giant of the generation? So Rebaruch Ber, who was a big Tamachacham in his own right, um, had a big box of Ksavim. And then he went to learn by Reb Chaim Briska. And he decided that Reb Chaim's Mahalach was correct and his wasn't. And he hid away all of his ksuvim, his ksuvim, and he only published the ones that fit in with the mahalach that he got from, from Rav Chaim. Now he wrote different than Rav Chaim. His style was different. It was his individual. But he understood where the mahalach comes from. And that's the challenge. When a person looks and says, is being an individual of value in and of itself? Or do I have the ability to learn from somebody who's greater than me and to be able to take on that? Um, a, a friend once pointed out about his Rebbe, you know, of um, Ruderman. He says, when you shook his hand, you shook the hand that shook the hand of the Alta Slabatka. Takes you back. Rabbi Olawik gave a hesped on Rabbi Moshe Chait, who was the Rashiva of uh, was the Rashiva of Chavetz Chaim and Etzel. And he pointed out the Chazal say that Moshe Rabbeinu says, "I know after I die, you're going to go off and do all these bad things." But they didn't do it while Yoshua was alive. Why? Because as long as a person's Talmud is alive, that person is alive. And so he said, Rav Baruch Chait isn't the one who was Nifter. 
Rav David Leibowitz was Nifta. Because Kozman, that he was alive, his Rebbe was alive. That you, you see what I was macabre from that person and you could see it. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, who learned in Slabatka, said of the Rosh Hashim of Chavetz Chaim, of Henoch Leibowitz, who was born in America, he said, I, I sit here as a Talmud of Slabatka telling you that the greatest Talmud produced by the Slabatka Yeshiva and the altar of Slabatka is sitting in this room. And he never met the altar and he never went to Slabatka. He was macabre from his father. And he took it and he made it to the point that it lived on in him. <coughs> we can't be Bill and Zilpa. We have to be Rachel and Leah. But the question is, how much do I worship individuality for individuality's sake? And how much do I look at it and say, I have the opportunity to be somebody greater than I am. I could fight for the right to be me, and people say, I have to be who I am. Or you say, I could be somebody greater than I am. And that becomes the challenge. Every one of us, what was Moshe Rabbeinu called? His greatest praise? Eved Hashem. He was an Eved Hashem. You know? When I have enjoyed any, any uh, success in my life, I said, it's not because I'm so talented or I'm so smart. It's because I try to be mavat myself to HaKadosh Baruch And I try to do what he wants and not what I want. You know? So someone said to me, it's true, because an Evid has none of his own das, and you certainly don't. So I appreciated that. But, uh, but, the, but the truth is that if you, if you look at it and say, what does a Kaddish Baruch Hu want from me at this point in my life? What's the best that I can do? And I'm prepared to follow that wherever it goes. You know? A lot of people uh, ask the question, what's my top kid in this world? It's a dangerous question to ask. Because what if you get the answer and it's not what you want to do? Are you prepared to follow that path wherever it's going to take me so at the end of my life I really feel like I accomplished what I was supposed to accomplish? Or do I want to do what I want to do? And, you know, that's not the life that I want for myself. And then you turn around and you, you wonder, did I really accomplish what I was trying to do in this world? So that's the question that we all have to ask ourselves, and that's the challenge that we see. When Yaakov moved his tent into Billah's tent, that's because Billah was Rachel. When Yosef saw the, the moon bow down to him, it really meant Billah because Billah was Rachel. The Moshe Chait was with David Leibowitz. Yehoshua was Moshe Rabbeinu. That's the challenge that every one of us has to realize how much greatness we can achieve. Mirzah Hashem, we should be zaycha to be able to find what is the best that we can become and figure out how to get there. Thank you very much.